Hello, church family. This is part three of Esther chapter five. Um, this is the uh, part of the scripture where uh, Esther begins the act. And if you remember the last, this last few days, we talked about how in order for you to be used by God mightily, there are certain characteristics that you need to be. Uh, we first talked about how uh, you need to be bold. Uh, Esther was someone that was bold. She went into the courts, even though there was even though it was known throughout the Persian Empire that Xerxes is a madman, that if anyone violated this particular law, that they would be killed. And Esther uh, did that. She fasted for three days, uh, and she planned to go to the king. She did all that she can to adjust to the circumstance and went to the king. And she said, whatever happens, happens. So she was bold in that sense. She knew exactly what she needed to do, and she acted upon it. Then we talk about how, in order for you to be used by God mightily, you need to be a humble person. We talk about how the way that Esther conducted herself and even the way that she, her clothing shows a, a reverence and respect to the person that uh, that she was at. Even though when we look at King Xerxes, we think this guy's like a madman and crazy. Uh, she gave to she basically gave honor to those who uh, deserve honor. Even though this is a king that's wicked, she still. I was willing to show him honor because that's the right thing to do. So it was because of her boldness and humility, humility that she was able to uh, have a have an audience with the king. Now today we're going to look at one more positive, and then we're going to look at a negative, one negative. So one positive and one negative. And the next positive attribute that you want to be in order to be used by God mightily is that you need to be flexible. If you, if you recall in chapter. Uh, 5, verse 5, it reads, 5 to 8, it says, Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that we may do as Esther desires. So the king and Haman came to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? For it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom it shall be done. So Esther replied, My petition, my request is, If I found favor in the sight of the king, if it pleases the king to grant my petition, do what I request. May the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I prepare, which I will prepare for them. And tomorrow I'll do as the king says. Now it's interesting because she, her first request was to have a meal, and then when the king, after the meal uh, started, the king, you know, he's a politician, so she, he understands that people don't usually invite him to things unless there's something, unless there's a catch. Uh, so he asks the queen again, "What is it that you want?" And the queen tells, the queen kind of assesses the situation. And I think I said in the first session that it doesn't explain, in the white space, it doesn't explain at all why the queen decides just to have another banquet. Um, at the moment, for whatever reason, she has, she looked at what was going on, she decided to adapt. She thinks that this was not a good time to do it, so she decided, uh, maybe I'll figure out another way to do it, another time. Uh, so if some commentators think that, like, maybe the king and the Haman didn't drink enough, or maybe they drank too much in whatever circumstances, uh, it basically did not allow Esther to fulfill her plan. And this is a character trait that we want to have in our own life as well, that we need to be able to adjust. We need to be able to adapt to whatever's going on in our lives. This is a crucial thing because you don't want to uh, presume uh, too much on your own planning. In fact, if you presume too much on your planning, you're really presuming on the Lord. Uh, things in life will not always go the way that you plan. You just look at this whole COVID-19 thing. This is something that no one expected. I, even when my wife and I were looking at our calendar, we had all these 
plans of going on these trips for our anniversary and all of those things are now in shambles. Uh, nothing uh, is, is set in stone because we live in a fallen world. We're finite beings. Uh, life may not turn out the way that you like, and that's okay. If you want to be used by God, you have to understand that things in life are going to change, and, and, and you have to be okay with that. Because if you're, if you're not flexible, you're always going to be grumbling, you're always going to be complaining about why things did not go the way that you want. And in the end, you'll lose your joy because of it. And the Bible speaks really clearly about uh, that nothing, that we're not in control of all the plans that we have. Proverbs 16, verse 1 says, The plans of the heart belongs to man, but the answer to the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 4, The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Proverbs 16, verse 9, The man of the, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord d- directs his steps. Proverbs 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the, into the lap, but it's very, but it's every decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 20, verse 24, man's steps are ordained by God. How then can man understand his way? Proverbs 21, verse 1, the king's heart is like the channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He, meaning God, turns it wherever he wishes. So there's, uh, the reality of scripture is that we can plan, but in the end, the Lord is the one going to decide whether or not these plans will come into fruition. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1, it reads, For I have taken all this to my heart and explained it, that the righteous man, the wise man, and their deeds are in the hand of God. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred. Anything awaits him. Solomon and all of these uh, wisdom literature is saying that you cannot know what will happen. You need to be flexible with it. Now, this isn't a call for us to be apathetic, but it is a call for us to trust in the sovereignty of God, that our plans and everything that we do must be centered around the Lord. Uh, There are times, even in ministry, where people assume that ministry has to be a certain way, that as if all of their planning, all the things that they've done has to be, has to bear result, otherwise it's a failure. Um, And you know, God has built his church before us. God is building a church in spite of us now. And the Lord will build, will continue to build the church even after our time. There's the inflexible people that are often a hindrance to uh, gospel progress. Um, being the outreach pastor and overseeing, helping out with missions, uh, one of the, just a whole bunch of emails I'm getting now is with all the missionaries saying how they can't continue serving for the time being, that they have to go back uh, to wherever their home state is or home country is, that they just aren't able to do whatever they want to do. Um, and again, these missionaries, uh, they had a plan on their ministry, but the Lord changed it. And now they're all scattered and you know trying to figure out what to do next. But the Lord is still going to do what he needs, even with those missionaries. And those missionaries come back. What's going to happen to the church? The Lord will build the church. Um, we have to get over the assumption that without our goals or without us, that, that God's uh, plan or God's church is not going to be built, or that if we somehow um, are not involved in this, then the world is somehow going to end. Uh, we need to be willing to adapt to the circumstances um, because we are, again, for finite. James chapter 4 Verse 13 to 16 reads this, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. 
that you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, you will live also and do this and that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. And it's interesting at the end of James, people that assume that their plan or their uh, um, all of their scheming, they, all of their things that they think is going to happen, if they think it's uh, if they speak or think in these absolute terms, James here speaks, says that these people are arrogant and this type of boasting is evil. So for you in your life, if you want to be used by God, plan wisely, yes. Also, at the same time, hold it with a loose grip and understand that the Lord wants to change your plans. That's actually for your good and that's actually his plan. So we can uh, have assurance in that. If you want to be used by God, you must be flexible. Now, uh, Esther, uh, Esther's delay, uh, even though in the moment we don't understand why, in the big picture we actually see how this, uh, how God has even used this delay to set up uh, for Haman's downfall, which we'll get to our second um, uh, point of what not to be. So the first three, what we need to be, we need to be people that are um, bold, humble, and inflexible. And now we're going to look at the negative. What you don't want to be. If you want to, if you want to be used by God mightily, this is the part where you don't want to be. First is you don't want to be an angry person. See, when after when Esther uh, delayed it in verse nine, this is what happened. Then Haman went out that day glad and pleased of heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. So it just so happens that when this banquet is over, Mordecai just happened to be there, and it just robbed all of the happiness that Haman had. This banquet we had, where he had with, with royalty was taken away because of one Jewish person chose not to pay homage to him. He lost every sense of happiness. And, you know, our culture defines uh, anger as, as um, what we call it as anger issues. We know that that's not really the case. It's not really like something that I think when people say that it, we, they treat it too lightly. The reality is, anger issue is sin. Any type of uh, uh, strong type of anger, it's sin. Um, the Bible speaks that if you want to be used by God, you cannot be an angry person. A person that's filled with anger. Uh, Proverbs fourteen verse twenty nine: He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick tempered exalts folly. And I love how Proverbs describe the angry person. It's always in the negative. Someone that's angry is always in the negative. Um, Proverbs 15, verse 18, The hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Someone who is uh, slow to anger is really good at, at, at diffusing the situation. People that are always quick-tempered are just always going to pick fights. Proverbs 19, 19, A man of great anger will bear the penalty for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. So that's just the, the sad reality of someone that's always angry. They're always gonna, you're just always gonna have to like help them out, fix them. And in this case, bail them out. This is this idea of, of like getting them out of jail. Uh, Proverbs 22 verse 24. Do not associate a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Now this is really convicting because you have to wonder, is the reason why you don't have any close friends because you are marked as someone that's filled with anger. Bad company corrupts good morals. And then, and you know that if you are a very angry person, you're just going to cause problems not just for yourself, but for those around you. 
Proverbs 30, verse 33, for the churning of milk produces butter, and the passing and the pressing the nose brings forth blood. So the churning of anger produces strife. And then again, these are just the results of anger that there's going to be problems and you're going to fight with one another. And Galatians, one of the fruit of the flesh is, is anger, is bursts, outbursts of anger. Ephesians 4.31 tells us to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. The life of the Christian is someone that is not marked by anger. James chapter 1 verse 24, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. You know, if you want to be used by God, if you want to fulfill the will and the righteousness of God and achieve all the things that God wants you to do, you must not be someone that's filled with anger. In fact, 1 Timothy 3, one of the qualifications of elders is that they're slow to anger. And I'm going to say something on behalf of the elders. I, we want you to keep us accountable in this way. Uh, we want to be faithful elders and leaders and pastors. And if you see us having these bursts of anger, you need to call us out. Because we can't be an effective elder board that's faithful to the Lord if we're filled with anger. And the reason why that is is because anger often clouds objectivity. It causes more uh, trouble in your life. Angry people tend to make a wreck of their life and everything and everyone around them suffer. And that's not the way of the Christian. The Christian is called to be someone that's calm and, and peace, filled with, the, filled with that. That is why if you want to be used by God, you cannot be someone that is filled with anger. In the case of Haman, he lost it. He, you will see in the, uh, the, the next part of how his anger was what drove him uh, to the fall. In fact, we've already seen that in chapter 3. His anger is what brought his downfall. If he was just calm by the fact that it was just one Jewish person, I suppose the entire Jews that, was, that didn't um, pay him homage or respect, he would have been okay with it. But because he was obsessed with the, having the things his way that, that, that sparked this anger in him that eventually led not only to his own downfall, but his entire family as well. And this is what the scripture tells you, that angry, angry people is going to damage not just that individual, but those around them as well. I'll end with this from Colossians chapter 3. But now you also put them, put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. And I, I, asked, and I asked my wife this, uh, this today, when I, the day of recording this, I asked, like, what's the opposite of anger? And she brought up this verse. And then when I, and, you know, I tried to do the, um, the biblical counsel thing, what you put off and you put on, right? You, so if you put off anger, what, do you, what are you supposed to put on? And it says this in, in chapter 12. So it says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with another and forgiving each other. Whoever has complained against one, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. So it's interesting because when I try to say, which one is it? Should we put on anger? What do we put on them? I think in Colossians 12, 13, put on everything. Put on all the things that's here. Put on things, put on a heart of compassion. You know, compassionate people aren't angry people. Put on kindness. Kind people are not angry people. Put on humility. Uh, put on gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. Be willing to forgive each other. These are the things that you need if you want to be someone that is free from being marked as a person of anger. Um, so ask yourself, are you someone that is controlled by anger? Because, again, going back to James uh, chapter 1, verse 20, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. If you are a Christian, anger should not be a defining marker. 
Now, this isn't to say that you can't be angry, because we're called to be slow to anger. Even the elders and leaders are called to be slow to anger. But it's your, it's who you are. Are you easily triggered? Uh, in our society, uh, one of the things that people get triggered not, triggered by is like road rage, right? That's actually a sin. When someone cuts you off and you get and you get angry at that person, that shows that you have no self control, and that and you need to be. And as a believer, if you truly are a believer, you have the freedom to to, to not sin anymore. You should be able to control even your own anger. So, what you want to be, you want to be bold, humble, and flexible. And what you don't want to be is anger, is, a, is an angry person. And so tomorrow we'll look at the last two as someone that you don't want to be. You don't want to be a proud person. You don't want to be a discontent person. Okay. Uh, hope this is uh, useful, and edifying, and encouraging, and, and even at times even convicting to you. Because definitely to me, because it forced me to look back in my own life, see where I'm where my shortcomings are. Um, With that said, I will see you guys all tomorrow.